Desert Island Books on NHR in association with NUH Library Services. Back on NHR now, one of the wonderful chaplaincy team across NUH, Arthur Shivas. Welcome back, Arthur. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Busy as busy as normal and as usual. And uh, yeah, enjoying, still enjoying working here, which is uh, a bonus when you can enjoy coming into work. Which uh, so I've been a chaplain here for almost eleven years, and most of the time I'm based at city campus. And uh, yeah, I was asked to um, contribute to the Desert Island books, which I was more than pleased to do because reading is uh, is a passion of mine. Ever since my Mum, for my fifth birthday, she took me to the library and enrolled me there, and I got my five tickets, and that opened up a whole world to me that, uh, growing up in a fairly rough council estate, uh, wasn't there on my doorstep. So, uh, yeah, since then I've been a very avid reader, and still am, and uh, I'm actually on my 99th book in three years. I hope to finish it before the end of this year. And uh, I will get to 100 because one of my book selections I'll be, uh, I will have read um, to my grandchildren as well. So, yeah, it's uh, looking I, good. I was reading a bit about uh, your Desert Island book selection. We'll come to those uh, in a few moments. But uh, I gather that you're such an avid reader that at times um, people feel a little, little bit ignored by you in certain areas. Is that fair to say? Um, yes, yeah, certainly. Certainly at lunchtime, I like my um, my space because uh, most of my day is taken up speaking to people and being with people and interacting with people. So at, at lunchtime, I like to just be quiet and uh, sit and read. And uh, uh, I've got one colleague in particular who likes to fill silences with endless chatter. So <laughs> I've, I've managed to uh, um, program my ears to, to, to block it out and just carry on reading. But... Uh, uh, and I have been known for I'm reading uh, sort of humorous stuff to uh, upset them because I just yeah you know, I laugh and chuckle away to myself. But uh, <laughs> uh, but my wife after 46 years has got used to me um, in my nothing space as I call it, uh, just concentrating on reading. But uh, so that's that's what I enjoy most. Uh, that's where I find a lot of relaxation is just being able to read and escape and to learn as well so yeah, yeah. now um you have uh, you won a, a mindfulness award this uh, year tell us something about that yeah yeah the um i won one of the uh um the quarterly awards and then was put forward for the for the annual award which i was surprised but delighted to win and uh, basically it's um it was because patients and relatives and staff wrote in and um um, sort of said I deserved it because of some of the stuff I'd been up to and things I'd done and uh, going the extra mile for people and uh, and a lot of them uh, mentioned my sense of humour which got them through dark moments and their, uh, their time in hospital and stuff like that so it was I found it very humbling uh, reading some of the emails and letters that come into the trust and, uh, and even more after after I won the award, uh, it went to uh, the hospital Facebook page and uh, 
um, went a bit wild and uh, yeah, it was nice to see people who remembered me seven, eight, nine years on uh, and uh, made some nice made yeah some nice comments about me. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say for people who are perhaps not aware of. Um, the the work that the chaplaincy does uh, and the pastoral services generally, uh, can you just give us a little bit of a, an overview of uh, of the work that is done? Yeah, well, everybody I think assumes that if you're a hospital chaplain, all you're interested in is dealing with people who have a faith and doing things like baptisms and communion and last rites and stuff like that, which forms quite a significant part of our job. But a lot of the time is just um, engaging with people who are lonely, who are frightened, um, um, <clears throat> bad news delivered to them, and trying to process that. So, uh, so yeah, it's just been been there for for anybody and everybody, irrespective of our faith. And and certainly during the these last couple of years, we've we've seen an increase in the number of staff just who need somebody to talk to, to unburden, to um, even just to cry with uh, a shoulder to lean on. And uh, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, last Sunday, I went onto a ward to give somebody communion and ended up um, giving five people communion in the same day. And uh, I discovered this little old lady who'd been in for one month and two days and had no visitors, which isn't unusual in these times, but uh, wasn't likely to get any visitors because she had no family and there'd be nobody to visit her anyway, even when she goes home, and uh, I find that really sad. So I've been able to, yeah, just to, to go and see her and talk about, um, she has a faith, so I talked about faith, but talked about her life and uh, her husband who died a few years ago, who she misses terribly, and uh, very emotional um, because you know, she's frightened as to what the future holds, but uh, it, was, it was great to just sit and listen to somebody in her 80s, who had lived a life and was talking about Nottingham in the past, and but she was just so so grateful to have somebody somebody to talk to that wasn't asking her about her medical condition, and so uh, yeah, that's the sort of stuff we get up to. It's, yeah, it's amazing what uh, just some empathy and uh, some humanity, and uh, as you say, lending an ear um, can do for people, especially yeah. in these very isolated and detached time so i know um and and we uh, at nhr know uh of much of the work that uh, that you guys do and it's it's very important so um as you said it's not just a uh, a service that's there for people of faith it's for anyone who who feels the need to just have some company and um so it's it's much much appreciated Let's come to your books then, because you said you are a prolific reader. So, um, on your mm-hmm. desert island, of your five that you know and that you love, uh, which is book number one? Um, I'll start with the Bible, because that's very important to me. So, I, I read it on a regular basis, and uh, it's probably the most important book in my life, because it inspires me. It's always relevant. Uh, the number of times I've turned to it for hope and strength to encourage me. And um, but also, uh, I find it very helpful when I've done things I shouldn't have done. It sort of um, it makes me feel better. So yeah, it's something that I I uh, I turn to on a daily basis. So that's probably the the most important book 
in my uh, repertoire. Yeah, I suppose we'd probably expect the Bible to be in there, <laughs> given what you do. But uh, um, you have a variety, uh, as they say, an eclectic uh, uh, list here. Yeah. And one of them yeah. is um, very much to do with the comedy side. You, you said you you, uh, you love um, just sharing your sense of humour. And uh, mm. it's a book by Billy Connolly. Tell us about this one. And what's the what's the name of it? And tell yeah. us about uh, your, uh, your connection with Billy. Yeah, Billy Connolly. It's, the book's called Tall Tales and Wee Stories. And it's just uh, uh, a collection of, well, Billy Connolly storytelling, uh, the stuff he would share on stage and uh, uh, on the television. But uh, it, it is so funny. It's uh, a bit a bit rude at times, but uh, uh, and the language is about choice at times. But uh, it's just his observations on life. And, uh, and uh, when I read it, I can remember some of the characters I've encountered in my my lifetime up in Scotland, and I, I spent a few years um, in Glasgow, and, and Glasgow humour is uh, is unbelievable. And uh, yeah, it just it made me makes me chuckle. And uh, I guess it's the sort of book I'll probably go back to and read again. But uh, um, it is very, very funny, very amusing, and uh, you don't have to be Scottish to enjoy it. But uh, it does help because some of the some of the places and uh, characters are very Scottish. Okay, so that's book number two. Um, We've also got a book uh, down here from you, Blood River. Um, Tell us about this one then. Yeah, it's by a a guy called Tim Butcher, and it's the full title is Blood River, A Journey to Africa's Broken Heart. And the thing that appealed to me most was the, it's a journey along the Congo River, and he's trying to recreate Stanley's famous expedition and... uh, as maybe your listeners will uh, remember that uh, Stanley went to, to try and find David Livingston. And Livingston is one of my heroes. was a Scottish connection coming through a lot of my books, but uh, he was one of my first heroes as a child. And, uh, and this book is just, it's just wonderful as he tries to, tries to follow the path that Stanley did following the Congo. And it's, uh, it's a really good read. Thank you very much for that one. Um, you're also a fan of thrillers, and you've got one of those on your list. Tell us uh, about this choice. Yeah, thrillers are my uh, escape, escape from reality, as it were. And uh, I chose Patriot Games by Tom Clancy. And I love Tom Clancy's uh, writing, but uh, I chose this one because the, uh, it was the first book that uh, a character called Jack Ryan appears now. Um, it has been a film film made of it and it comes on telly just about almost as often as the sound of music and um, but Jack Ryan who's uh, who accidentally uh, steps in and stops the Irish terrorist assassinating the Prince and Princess of Wales in London and then subsequently him being chased by the um, this terrorist group who want to exact a revenge on him for following their plot the first thing many, many books of Jack Ryan who ends up, believe it or not, being the uh, president of the USA and then his son comes on the scene and he too uh, gets involved in espionage. So uh, it's been the first of probably about 20, 20 odd books that I've read of Tom Clancy which uh, involve the Ryan family. Okay, thank you very much for that. Patriot Games then by Tom Clancy is uh, Arthur's fourth choice for the Desert Island books and um, we have number five then. So what's uh, what's that one? 
And the final one is uh, The Night Before Christmas by Clement Seymour, a classic. Um, I hadn't actually come across it until I met my wife and um, our first Christmas. She she got me to read it on Christmas Eve before we went to sleep because in her family it was a tradition that it was read on Christmas Eve. And uh, when we were blessed with children, uh, we carried on that tradition of reading to the children. And, uh, and I'm pleased to say my kids now read it to their children. This has been pre-recorded, so by the time this goes out, the night before, I've got um, two granddaughters, two and a half and four, staying with us on Christmas Eve, and uh, it'll be my joy and pleasure to read the story to them before they go to sleep. And uh, yeah, it's just a bit of uh, bit of tradition, family tradition, but it's a it's a cracking book. The night before Christmas, and uh, in actual fact, uh, I've already. Um, had a couple of responses from the trust email that went out with my, my book choice and from staff saying that, uh, that they too read it to their children. And, uh, and one and another person said that they remember it being read by their, by their parents and they're, they've just gone out and bought the, um, a copy to read to their two-year-old son tonight on uh, Christmas Eve. So who knows? I might started a run on the, the night before Christmas, but, but it sounds it's a like great, a, sounds great like a lovely story. family tradition, and and passing uh, passing down the torch must feel really special to uh, yeah. to the other generations. So that's your five for the desert island uh, of books that you know and have read. We uh, we do of course ask for uh, an extra book which you haven't read yet. So uh, what are you going for that choice? Well, it was a toss up between Catch Twenty Two and Lord of the Rings. Well, I've decided to go with Lord of the Rings because the book's been on my bookshelf for more years than I can remember. Uh, I read The Hobbit um, and enjoyed it. I started to to read Lord of the Rings um, but gave up after 50 pages. And I think that and Catch-22, which I also got into a little bit and gave up, because are the only two books that I've started but never finished. So um, 2022 is going to be the year I'm going to read Lord of the Rings and uh, it'll probably probably affect my uh, the number of books I read <laughs> during 2020 because I think it'll be a bit of a slog but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it and reading that so um, invite me back next year and I'll tell you if I've managed to managed to finish it. Absolutely but, yes yeah. you sound like a much faster reader than some of us as well. Um, that's yeah. great so thank you very much for sharing those books with us now it is uh, it's Christmas Day, so uh, do you have a Christmas message that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I was sort of thinking the, uh, I love Christmas music. I've got one of these compilation CDs that I, I drive my wife party with, and uh, and one of my favourites is uh, by Wizard. I wish it could be Christmas every day, and uh, I love sort of rocking about with air guitars and stuff like that, but... But when I was thinking about it, it's it's a great a great title. I wish it could be Christmas every day because for me, as a Christian, I, I truly believe that it is Christmas every day for me. Um, because um, for me, the true meaning of Christmas is is love. It's all about love, and it's about how um, the whole Christmas story is about God becoming a human being in the person of Jesus. 
And um, and why did he do that? Because he loves me. He loves us. And uh, and that, as I say, for me, the true meaning of Christmas is love. Um, he demonstrated his love by um, by coming on earth uh, to live as a, a human being, and then ultimately he gave his life so that we could be set free. So, yeah. So it's all about love, and uh, Christmas brings out the best in, in best in people as well. And uh, I mean, I, again, uh, um, that same Sunday, I, I um, had the joy of chatting to another patient who who was in floods of tears because her her uh, grown up children and had uh, decided to carry on mum's tradition. Now, being in mind, mum was seventy eight. She was talking to me about every year she. Uh, would invite her older neighbours in who were on their own for lunch on Boxing Day. She wasn't able to do that this year because she was a bit too infirm. And, but her her kids have decided that uh, they're going to carry on the tradition of inviting mum's older neighbours. I don't know how old they are, if they're old. No, given that she's 78, but they just felt they, they needed to share that love at Christmas with the folk that her mum loves. And... Uh, that just encapsulates what Christmas is about for me, is about love. And uh, and so uh, I'm sure Wizard didn't think about it when he said, I wish it could be Christmas every day. But for me, that's, that's one of my favourite Christmas songs. Well, it's a wonderful thought, and it would, uh, it would be lovely if we all um, felt that love for people and mm. just little things like just a little smile a little little acts of kindness that you maybe see yeah. more at christmas and would be lovely if we could just take that through and just that's the way we were with each other thank you so much arthur yeah. for your time for your uh, book choices <laughs> and for sharing all of that with us and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again happy uh, christmas to you and a happy new year as well and uh, do wish all of the uh, pastoral services team Uh, All the very best from us. Thank you very much.